0: Today's headlines are rife with tension and conflict, demonstrating that conflict can ignite from the smallest word or action and can spark toxic responses and behaviors. Unresolved or poorly navigated conflict can damage and even destroy relationships. However, conflict does not have to be destructive. Handled effectively, conflict can actually contribute to something deeper, stronger, and strengthen relationships and can help address ongoing problems and concerns. Redeeming conflict is far less about being right and much more about being honest, direct, respectful in our discourse. In the modern world of fiery, strife-filled interactions, we need some tools. That will be effective. In this episode of Keep It One Hundred, we will talk about effective ways to handle conflict, better communication, plus a surprise wisdom window from a very special guest. Welcome to Keep It One Hundred podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome to another episode of Keeper 100, where we hit contemporary topics with a timeless twist of biblical conviction and try to have fun and keep it real all the way through. I'm your boy, Sean, and we got Krista Boo riding shotgun.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: Hey, gang, I'm really pumped for this episode. As promised, we're going to peg Krista for her wisdom and years of experience and studies on interpersonal communications and conflict management and bring it to you live on this podcast. You're going to love this and you're going to get equipped at the same time.
1: You know, the truth is nobody likes conflict, but Everyone has it. It's the one thing you can't avoid because sooner or later, it's going to come knocking on your door.
0: You know, this is supported even in modern current news right now. I just happened to look on one of the browsers on one of the internet and they have the hashtag free Britney movement. It's about Britney Spears, and she seemingly has faced a setback, I guess, this week when Britney Spears requested to have her dad removed as a conservator of her state, and it was denied. And so obviously we see this conflict between her and her dad. Mm-hmm. Then in the same web browser report, the L.A. Dodgers pitcher, I guess the star pitcher, places a guy by the name of Trevor Bauer on administrative leave amidst assault allegation of domestic abuse. Obviously, that's not good. In the same page that had all these... Different reports on it. We see that Will and Jada are having a little bit of controversy again. I guess she sent Tupac dedication. Obviously, Tupac is is dead tragic, but I'm sure I'm not bringing news to you on that. But somehow there was some sort of information release that Jada, when she started dating Will Smith, Asked Tupac to not beat him up because there was some sort of romantic interlude. And so there's again some sort of thing of entanglement there. All this does is prove Luke 17, 1. It says in one translation, it says, and Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that scandals should not come. And in another translation, he said, it says, Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses shall come. So the bottom line is scandals and offenses are going to come. Current news is supporting it. We know it from the Bible, but what are we going to do about it?
1: You know, what you said is so true. You know, every one of us deal with conflict and conflicts actually essential for healthy relationships. Now, all the examples you just gave in current news today aren't necessarily the healthiest. At least they seem from the outside. We don't know the interpersonal dynamics of those relationships because we don't know them on a personal level, but there seems to be quite a bit of dysfunction just from the outward observing eye. But what what I do know is this, if you actually want healthy relationships, then dealing with us with conflict is actually essential. And the funny thing is everyone views conflict as unhealthy. They view it as scary. They view it as a negative in a relationship that if you have conflict in your relationship, it's negative. When in all actuality, conflict can actually be the thing that makes your relationship more healthy. And you can, you can't actually heal anything if you're not willing to deal with it. Wow. Conflict does not heal itself. Symptoms can go away. You And I know that, right? Everyone knows that in their life. You can have a major, you know, blowout with someone, and then it seems to go away, but then you keep hitting that same trigger, you keep hitting that same issue with someone, and it's because the root has never been dealt with. So symptoms can go away, but actually the conflict will ultimately remain because the root hasn't been dealt with. And until people are willing to deal with it, the conflict will continue to arise.
0: You know, I think you really hit a modern fallacy. I think some people think that, hey, I'll just give it time, the calendar will heal it to go away. But when it comes to issues like these, the more you bury it, the more it seems to exacerbate the situation. I love this scripture as we're on this topic. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 10 in the epistles, Peter writes, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with one another, Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. When I think about this scripture, you know, there are two things that jump out to me. First of all, it lets us know that we need to sympathize with one another. So the whole goal in it is not just blow off steam, get something off our chest is to really connect with other people. And that verse obviously says, love one another. It tells us to keep a humble attitude. I think when you're dealing with conflict, being tenderhearted and keeping a humble attitude is so huge. And then the other thing, it goes on to say, if you want to enjoy life and see happy days, you gotta know how to use your tongue, and I think that's so so important.
1: I love the scripture you just talked about, first Peter 3 8 through 10, because it talks about sympathizing with one another, loving each other, being tenderhearted, keeping a humble attitude. Don't get into vengeance, right? Don't get into retaliation, and don't, in a sense, do that whole like you got me, I'm gonna get you. It's that whole mentality. If people actually applied this scripture, you know how much conflict would be diffused in the world today, right? Because so much. Much of what we're seeing is people not walking in a place of peace or walking in a place of humility or walking in a place of empathy or compassion or love with one another. And if we actually applied this posture, which we're going to talk about, what does this look like in our everyday relationships? But so many times we take on a world view when it comes to conflict. And we saw that in the political arena this past year. We saw that in a social issues that arose this last year, we saw people very much remove themselves from a biblical posture and they approach conflict like the world approaches it very vengeful, very in it for themselves and their way is the only right way. And if that is our attitude, if that's our approach, and we're never going to get resolution. So today our focus is more than just uh, addressing conflict. Our point in addressing conflict is to find resolution.
0: So I'm going to pitch it back to you, Boo. Our interview guest is going to be Krista Lee Smith. So Krista, why don't you you give us some background as to how you've become knowledgeable in this area? Because I can honestly say as your husband, I've seen you not only utilize these principles you're going to share in our relationship and marriage, but I've seen you help so many people. You actually should have a side hustle of of relational counseling because you do so well in that area. But again, give us some background as to how you've become knowledgeable in this area.
1: Thanks, baby. That's a really kind introduction. And the fact that you do life with me daily and you feel that is a huge compliment. So thank you for that. You know, for many people that don't know, they know me as a preacher, they know me as a teacher of the word of God. And that is my number one passion for sure. I feel like that's what I was created for. But at the same time, I feel like there's some other facets to me. There's another one of those facets that I think a lot of people may not know about me. And that is I went to college, I went to Seattle Pacific University, and I got my degree in communication, my emphasis in communication, because obviously, that's a school of communication, you choose your degree in that mine was interpersonal communication with emphasis of conflict management. And I am passionate about authentic, deep relationships. So I found this degree for myself incredibly fascinating because I looked at it, even as a freshman in college, you're choosing your degree and whatnot. I was one of those that actually never changed my degree. I knew I wanted to go in this field because I'm passionate about relationships. I'm passionate about human behavior and our interaction with one another. So this is actually what I studied. This is actually what I got my degree in. It's what I wrote my thesis on was conflict management. I actually wrote my thesis on birth order and the dynamics of siblings within the family. So I'm very interested and passionate about human dynamics, human relationships, and finding resolution to conflict. So I've actually been someone that's always been wired for deep relationships. And although I grew up and I was always that person that was friends with all kinds of different people, I've always just had a handful of really close relationships. And the reason for that is because I've always been wired for quality of relationships, not necessarily quantity of relationships. Although I love to have a lot of. My close friends have always gone real deep. And most of my closest relationships in my life are well over 15 plus years. I have a few friendships that go well over 20 years. I still stay in loose contact with people literally from first grade. I'm still in a relationship with those people from elementary old, Isn't that crazy? Um, And I attribute these long lasting relationships to a few different factors. And one of them is my inner circle. The people that I say sit at my kitchen table of my life. We have the same values and the same beliefs beliefs. We also value similar things. We value obviously our relationship with God, family, marriage, uh, more traditional values, biblical values. It's very important to all of us, those that are in my inner circle. And then I also, um, I've really surrounded myself with people that value and prioritize relationships, friendships, and that includes that we all equally fight for our relationships. We equally fight for connection. And even in the midst of our busy schedules and our demanding life, we are so intentional about staying connected to one another's hearts, staying connected to the everyday of our lives. And that's something you really have to prioritize as you get older and life gets more demanding but I feel like I've put people in my life that really value and fight for connection, fight for relationship. And there's, there are also people, none of the people in my life for the most part are afraid of conflict. They're willing to have the hard conversation because they recognize it is often hard conversations that get you to a deeper place of intimacy. Right. So we removed off the table that nothing, uh, can be addressed. We've actually created on our table a friendship that anything can be addressed. And when you have that mentality, all of a sudden a relationship becomes all the more safer for you to be fully vulnerable because you're not having to wear masks in the relationship. And so, you know, a common temptation in any relationship is to avoid conflict. I just kind of want to set the base for why this is so important that we're addressing this today and why I'm personally passionate about it. You know, we all want to avoid conflict and all of us do that for a variety of reasons. One of the things I've really observed is we often don't want to deal with conflict because we don't want to actually lose relationship. We view that if we actually address something, if we put a demand on that relationship, meaning we put some strain on it, we don't actually believe there's enough relationship equity in that relationship to actually put a demand on it. It can't actually sustain the weight of tension. And then that actually means it's not really an authentic relationship in your life if it cannot sustain the weight of tension. The second thing that I've observed that people want to avoid conflict is because they don't actually have the energy to deal with conflict. They don't feel like they have the capacity, the space in their life, or even the space in their natural timeline to actually, you know, deal with it head on so we allow our busy life and our overwhelmed state to give us our out. we, We allow the busyness of life to give us an excuse to not deal with conflict. And what we don't understand and we often forget is that actually dealing with the conflict can many times remove that overwhelmed feeling that sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's the tension and the division in the relationships that if we actually just address the conflict, that feeling of being stressed out at capacity, at our margins, at our max would actually be removed if we actually dealt with the conflict. Another reason that a lot of people are afraid of dealing with conflict is they're actually afraid of being rejected and being vulnerable. And we often don't know how to deal with what it is to be honest about how we're really feeling and taking off that mask, choosing to be vulnerable is incredibly scary. And that feels more scary than just staying in the place of tension. True. You know, a couple other reasons that I've seen people avoid conflict is we actually have to sometimes own our own own dysfunction or unhealthy behavior. When we're addressing conflict, it's not always the other person. (laughs) You know, you might be the person that's addressing the conflict or, or bringing up the honest conversation, but it often can come back to you. And that's not a bad thing. You know, conflict is a mirror. It shows you what's going on in you. It shows you triggers. It shows you cycles. And so many times we don't actually want an accountability for our own lives. So we don't want to deal with conflict, you know, and that leads to the next thing that I've seen a lot of people avoid conflict because they don't want to hear the feedback from someone else about what's actually going on with them. So here's, here's the bottom line. Whatever reason you find yourself avoiding conflict in your life, I want to challenge your perspective. And I really want to hit this today in this podcast, because so many people view conflict as negative when friends actually, I want to talk about what you gain, what you actually benefit. How, what are the benefits when you actually deal with conflict? And here's some of the basic benefits that I I've seen that come when you are assertive in dealing with conflict. The first thing you gain is no more masks. What do I mean by that? I mean, you actually take off those personas and those images and those facades that we create of like, this is just who I am. I am who you want me to be that chameleon like lifestyle where we're trying to be all things to all people. Yes, I know Paul talks about that, but I'm talking about that in the state of taking off false behaviors, false identity of your personality. It's actually, authentic to who you are, but you've been wearing a mask where you're not honest about who you are, how you feel about a situation. When you deal with conflict, you're able to remove the mask, which actually create a more authentic relationship, which ultimately leads to deeper intimacy. When you have deeper intimacy, you're going to have greater trust. When you have greater trust, you're going to have a deeper place of vulnerability, which ultimately leads to breaking cycles in your life, in the relationship, and sometimes in other people's lives. And what does that do? It leads to healthier behavior overall. I believe in our lives, one of the things that Jesus invites us into is personal transformation. Dealing with conflict in your life can often lead to personal transformation.
0: Wow. I love that you're sharing on these things, Boo, because so many people, they're not going to get that from you. If they come to one of our meetings, you're going to preach this fiery message on (laughs) intimacy with God or going after God or revival. But for you to open up like this, I just think it's so important. And these are principles and tools that, hey, Keep a 100 tribe, you begin to implement these things. And this, sometimes certain conversations you can say are more sexy than others. This may not be, quote unquote, the sexy conversation, but truth be told, this is a foundational topic that if you implement these things, it will save you from so much, as we so talked good. about for scripture. You know, I think, Boo, one of the scriptures that I think really gets twisted or not adhered to at all is Matthew 18, 15. And it says, if another believer sins against you, Go privately and point out the offense. The other person listens and confesses it you have won that person back. And I think the important aspect of it is go privately, because I think now we either will hold it in or we'll go public, put them on blast, put it on social media, go talk to other people behind their back. And we're pointing out the offense, but it's not the biblical way to do it. Why? Because Matthew 18 verse 15 says that the goal is to win the person back. If you have that mentality, if you have that goal that you're going to line up with the kingdom value. Now, here's a question I want to ask you because we are now in the Hundo Peace segment. Come but- on. I'm going to be asking you the question. This,
1: <laughs> this is fun. Okay. What are some
0: tips, Krista, that have helped you the most when dealing with conflict and handling hard conversations?
1: You know, as I shared earlier, I got my degree in this, but I also pastored for 13 years, ran two schools of ministry. So in a pastoral role as a director of school ministry, I walked so many people through conflict in their lives. These are some basic ground rules or guidelines. Uh, Sean said it really well. Here's some tips for when you're dealing with conflict and having to have hard conversations one of the biggest things I can say on a really practical level is creating a neutral place for the card conversation. And what I mean by that is simply finding a place that is quiet and uninterrupted. If you find yourself with a bunch of people coming in and out, kids interrupting you, and whatnot, you're gonna probably have to go to a different location, a neutral location, get childcare if necessary. And I also encourage people, especially when it's like a very close intimate relationship, obviously this is gonna be different than like a work relationship or a work conversation. Uh, today's podcast, I'm more focusing on the closer inner circle relationships of your life. That's kind of the place in which I'm addressing these from. But I encourage people, you know, sometimes when you do. take a drive. You're not having to sit there and look the person eye to eye per se. Sometimes that can be a bit um, hard. That can be a bit awkward and people maybe aren't as vulnerable or kind of put the walls down as quickly as easily. I've noticed people are really uh, quick to kind of unpack or unload some things that are actually going on in their heart when they're on a long drive and they're just kind of driving down the freeway or driving on a scenic route and they're taking in the beauty, but they're just kind of talking, listening to one another, interacting. That can also be done on a walk. Sometimes, Sometimes some physical movement helps people open up and process and even be open to hear maybe a little bit harder things. So it really depends on the person, but think about a neutral, quiet space. that's going to be uninterrupted and gives you uh, a significant amount of time. Even if the conversation doesn't take a long time, you want to be able to have some space where you can actually fully unpack it. So it actually feels like it comes to a healthy end, if that makes sense. And then the second thing, again, we're just kind of talking about basic tips. In handling hard conversation is being intentional with the timing of conversations. You know, this is actually something in a great way. I really learned about Sean. I am just to kind of tell on myself a little bit. I want to process things right in the moment. I'm very quick to process. I I'm a verbal processor. And so I want to talk it through and Sean, you know, you can speak to your own process, but he likes a little bit more space. He wants to get more reflection, contemplation, and then he wants to revisit the conversation, revisit the issue. And then after he's had some time to kind of gather his thoughts, he, he wants to address it at that point. I actually want to figure it out with you. I want to jump into it right away. And so you need to be mindful of other people's processes because it's bigger than you. So being married to someone who processes different than myself, I had to learn how to step back and give him his, his space. Because if I'm wanting a successful end result, I have to be respectful of someone else's process. So you may want to jump it to, into it right away. And yes, sometimes people have to meet you in that. Uh, But you also have to be willing to meet people in their process. I think it goes both ways. It's not that one process is always winning or always, you know, the only way you guys go about it, but be, but recognizing that fatigue is real. Uh, Are you guys well rested to have this conversation? Do you have enough energy to engage in this conversation? Are you in high stress situations? Is there a possibility that you could let a little bit of time pass to get away from the emotional height of the situation, actually come down and be in a more rational state. And then also, you know, allowing yourself to be removed enough from the situation where you can approach it on a more logical, more factual based perspective. I think all of those factors are really important when we're talking about basic tips to finding a successful end result.
0: These are so powerful. Back in the day, this BC, y'all back in the hill, we would just fight. We just go outside, (laughs) slug it out. Then we hug each other and play football (laughs) together. Go get some Craigmont soda and all that stuff. But hey, I've done a little bit of research. And one of the things that I want to ask you about, I'm kind of proud, I did a little bit of research and discovered yeah, you, some of these you're things. Good. You did good Let me ask good. you a question: how important is tone and nonverbal communication/slash behavior to handling hard conversations?
1: To me, this is massive. You know, I believe your nonverbal and your tone are just as important. I would say it has equal weight to what you're saying because not only are people listening to what you're saying, you're also communicating through nonverbals. And our nonverbals are very powerful. So let us not be people that underestimate the power of a nonverbal. And so I always tell everyone when I'm kind of helping coach people through a conflict situation, I've served as a mediator a lot of times. I don't do that anymore, just for the record, um, but I often served in a mediator role. And so in that role, I would talk to the people about their nonverbal. And it was often the nonverbal that caused a lot of conflict, right? Because your nonverbals can give very conflicting messages. So I would always. Is encourage people when you're coming into a hard conversation, you're internally setting the, your heart, you're internally setting your spirit in your mind, you're setting yourself in a posture of love, grace, and empathy and compassion toward the person. So if I'm going into a conversation riled up and I'm frustrated and I'm angry, it's going to be a lot more combative. It's obvious to me, I've rarely seen it be nearly as successful as I've seen people coming in, in a posture going, I'm choosing to love this person. I'm coming in with grace and empathy. I know we see this very different. We're not agreeing on this. And yet I'm positioning my heart to connect with this person. So in that you're coming in already in an internal state of love and internal state of rest and peace. Also being aware of your emotions and being aware that your emotions will help set your tone. So if your emotions are at peace, your tone's going to be at peace. So your tone should be one of grace. It should be one of kindness. And that is often in a softer tone. It's not an aggressive tone. It's not a sarcastic tone. It's not an impatient tone. And you and I know exactly what that is. And you have to know your, well, enough to know the difference between if you're exuding love or you're not exuding love. And also be aware of your nonverbal behavior, you know, sign rolling your eyes, uh, rubbing, you know, rubbing your temple, looking away, huffing and puffing. None of that is communicating to the person that this is a safe place for vulnerability. None of that is saying, Hey, this conversation is really important to me. I'm engaged in it. I'm present. I'm here for it. When you have kind of hostile or non-participating non-verbal behavior, everything about that person is feeling like they have to kind of rush through it because they know you don't really want to be there. Well, there's not, about that. That's going to have a successful end result. So you have to understand your nonverbal behavior, your physical bodies be like nonverbal cues have to both give respect to that person's heart and emotions and recognize the amount of courage it's taking for that person to actually be honest with you and talk with you. And you have to honor that. And you know, another thing I always say to people, cause we're talking about nonverbal and tone is you need to be really clear on what your goal is with the hard conversation. So I always tell people really practical things so this might sound maybe too contrived, but honestly it works and sometimes contrived and, and planned for is actually really good when it comes to conflict resolution. I've even, I do this often in my own life is I write down notes, that I can reference during the conversation so that the conversation stays on track. What am I wanting to really address? What's the part of the problem that I need to own? I'm not just there to point fingers or to blame the person I'm talking to. I have to own my part too. And then I also, I'm going into the conversation not to blame or to vent, but I'm going in to restore and reconcile. That's a very different motive and everything about your tone, your nonverbal and your communication style very, very much indicates your motive there. Are you there to, blame, vent, and be heard and just kind of unpack and vomit on someone? Are you like, Hey, I care about this relationship. I'm fighting for this relationship. I'm here for unity and reconciliation and restoration. So everything about the way you approach it will result in the fruit of it. And so you need to come in. I always tell people come in with solutions. Don't just come in with the issue, but actually come in with solution. And then I always tell everyone, what do you need to apologize for? What do you need to own your part of? And so really, Understanding those are some basic nonverbal tones, and then I did talk about a couple verbal things there. But I think those are just like good ground rules, so to speak, when you're just kind of setting the tone for the initial part of the conversation.
0: I think that's really powerful that about be clear on what your goal is. I think most of us, our goal is literally to let this person know how much they've hurt us, as opposed to the Bible says the goal is to win them. Here's another scripture that I really feel is so important. It's helped me so many times in my life. It goes right along with what krista has been saying. It's found in James 1, 19 through 20. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I think that's so important about slow to speak. That's the toughest thing. And if you're slow to speak, that means you're quick to hear. And that's what it says. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak. But I think we're quick to speak, slow to listen. We got to reverse that, y'all. So here's another question I want to give you, Krista. So you're going through a tough conversation. What are some ground rules that you have found successful in navigating those turbulent waters?
1: You know, basic ground rules for tough conversations. I always encourage everyone, pray before you begin. Pray, Be prayed up going into that conversation when you Get into the conversation with the person, pray with the person, invite Jesus into it. Jesus has to be the center, of a conflict resolution. He's the greatest mediator. So the greatest mediator of all time is more than anyone you can pay for. It is Jesus. So invite Jesus smack dab in the center of that conversation. You can't have anyone better than that. And then just on a really practical level, one of the rules I always establish is no name calling. So no name calling is, that's not allowed. No swearing is allowed. Obviously that should be a basic one-on-one as Christians. But a lot of times, unfortunately, even as Christians, I've been in many of these heated conversations and they love Jesus, but their mouth just starts going and profanities start flying. And all of a sudden the atmosphere totally shifts. It becomes completely unsafe. And so I establish, I will stop conversations in the middle of that. And I'll say, I'm establishing the ground rule. Once again, no swearings allowed, no name calling. We're not here for a character assassination. We are here to find resolution. If you can't adhere, we're going to have to reschedule this meeting, right? If you can't adhere to these rules, we need to reschedule this meeting. The other thing on a really basic level is do not interrupt the other person in the midst of their conversation. Now, this is really important. Some people are quick, concise to the point communicators. Some people are rambly and they talk around and around and around and it, it takes them a while and they'll finally find their point. As frustrating as that might be for those that are very quick and concise with their thoughts and they're talking to someone that it takes them a little bit longer to figure it out, you have to show patience and display and walk in patience in that because you have to to give people the space for their process, because it's not just about you feeling like it's resolved or reconciled. It's about everyone that's in the equation, feeling valued, heard, and having time without constraint without limitation to fully be heard and communicate the way they communicate best. So you have to let each person complete their thoughts fully without impatience from the other person and or interruption. And here's another thing I've really learned when I've been, especially in the area of mediation, if rabbit trails get brought up, because everyone starts bringing up kind of old scenarios or old examples they'll go here and it will lead to this rabbit trail. What I do is I encourage people, okay, let's put that on a list. Let's write that down and let's schedule a different time to address that. And you You can make a list and set up different times to discuss the issues that have come up that are quote unquote rabbit trails, but you keep everything focused on the current issue so it doesn't get bogged down. So you, you remove the rabbit trail. So as much as someone's wanting to bring up another issue, that's not the issue we're talking about today this is the issue. So you're keeping it very focused. You know, another ground rule for tough conversations is keeping what you shared in your conversation private. Now, Sean, you and I know how important this is in the world that is so quick to expose, so quick to call people out, just put everything on blast. That is so opposite of the kingdom of God. I believe God calls us to really cover one another. You know, it's like the sons of Noah. Here he was drunk and he was naked and he was exposed. One of his sons, Ham, mocked him and ridiculed him. And the other two sons, what did they do? They covered him. I'm not saying you're giving an excuse because a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, it's immoral behavior or it's wrong or it needs to be exposed. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I am saying, let's be Mindful and wise in the way in which we expose things. And there is a confidential route that also gives dignity and honor to all the people involved. And it doesn't need to necessarily be for public consumption. So, confidentiality is key to people being vulnerable. People have to feel like they can trust you in order to find resolution. If they don't feel like they can be vulnerable with you or trust you, if they don't feel like what they say to you will be held in a quiet confidence and a private confidence, you will not find resolution in the long term. Your long-term relationships will not have a sustaining depth within them. They will stay on a shallow level because you will be viewed unsafe. Another ground rule is when you do hit it in past sometimes, and that ha- you know it's a it's a sticking point in a conversation. You keep hitting your like, not finding resolution, don't be afraid to bring in a trusted voice that will actually help you navigate through those sticking points Is many people don't think to actually bring in outside help if they keep hitting that same wall, but sometimes bringing in that outside help can really help you break through because outside perspectives can actually really give you often a new vantage point of how to look at the situation, even see the person and how you're viewing the person you're having the conflict with trusted voices could be your pastor, spiritual leader in your life, a counselor, a trusted advisor, but it needs to be a safe and neutral person for everyone that's involved. The last ground rule that I would say in having hard conversations is allowing feedback. So many times people just want to vent and unpack and throw it. But I always, when I was mediating conflict and I was trying to find resolution and helping people in that process, I'm like, hold up, hold on. Let's, let's give some opportunity for the people. You just threw a ton of stuff at that person. There has to be an opportunity for the person to respond, not out of the place of defending themselves, but sharing perspective. Like, wow, I didn't, I didn't. See it like that at all. This is how I saw the situation. I saw it from this from you, or this from you, or sometimes it's like, wow, I never looked at it from your point of view. You're able to have dialogue about what's just been shared. If you're just throwing information at someone, but there's never the opportunity for people to respond to what you're saying, that's not healthy conflict resolution. That's you venting and basically vomiting on the person. But in hard conversations, there can be multiple layers and scenarios of situation. So, you know, it's really giving people. An opportunity to just really say it from their point of view. And then I also tell people within the area of active listening and active listening, there's a whole lot more than just what I'm saying with this, but just one key piece of active listening is begin to practice in conflict resolution, repeating back to the person, what you think they are saying. And it can feel a bit contrived again, but it is a really healthy practice. And that is, Hey, what I'm hearing you say is this, and am I hearing you correctly? Is there anything about what I'm saying back to you is inaccurate to what you're trying to communicate. You can often find places of disconnect when you're repeating back what you think you're hearing. Someone's like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You're able to find yourselves on the same page when you allow feedback and you're allowing a dialogue over what's been shared.
0: That is so profound. Oh my goodness also keep it 100. We have a wisdom window. We have a surprise for you. This wisdom window is one of our dear friends. She's family to us. My wife's best friend, Cherie Bowles. Her and her husband have Bowles Ministries and are forerunners in equipping the body of Christ and encountering God and hearing God's voice for themselves.
1: Sheree, hey, what advice would you give someone on how to handle hard conversations?
2: I would say, you know, my first step was really being a very clear communicator, learning to be a so brave good. and clear communicator, because I'm a peace person. I am a peacemaker by nature. And so conflict, listen, there's going to be no one who wants Drama less than me. Like, I don't, you know, (laughs) and and conflict. I don't, I'm not a conflict person. And so I, at times, have had to fight being a conflict avoider because it's uncomfortable. And I don't like that uh, typically. And so I would say the first thing that I learned was how to be a brave communicator, Mm, you know, that's so good. And a brave listener. And Mm,
1: um, that's good
2: too, because sometimes you're going to get feedback that you don't like or you don't understand or you even disagree with. That's so Um, true. But I think that like that's for me many times the first step is really trying to communicate how you're feeling what you're experiencing and then also hear that from the other person it's truly truly huge for me and then I think like empathy is something that I've learned a tremendous amount about empathy is like an extremely deep and complex thing yes um, right when you empathize with someone I think that's something I've learned to practice a lot because it's very easy to have my vantage point. It's very easy to have my perspective from where I stand. Right. So true. When I try to, you know, go into the other person's shoes, what did their childhood look like? What have they been walking through for the last five years, 10 years? What are the circumstances of their life? They might be operating out of some life experience, a truth, whether or not I agree if it's right or not. So communication, empathy is huge for me. And so I think allowing ourselves to to be human, to feel those things, to allow God into those things, you know, right? When it says in the, in the Bible, be angry and do not sin. God never said, don't be angry. Right. He said, feel those things, but process through them, heal through them in a way in which you do not sin. I love that.
1: I love that. Good. That's so good because you're so right. I think a lot of times we think I can't have that negative emotion, but that's not what God says. And God's actually not afraid of our negative emotions, but it's bringing those to him. So we're walking still in a sanctified version of who we're called to be. Because again, you and I are are kind of our inside joke is what's your fruit look like? Because I can have an anger, but it's what I do with the anger. I can be. I can be hurt and even distraught about the betrayal or the dishonor Mm -hmm. that's happened in my life, Mm -hmm. and yet I don't have to retaliate. Mm -hmm. I don't have to victimize. I can walk through it healthy. I can be honest about my process, honest Mm -hmm. how I'm feeling, and actually come out better for it. Totally. Because if you allow God to encounter you through it, and that's what I have seen through you, Cherie, is like you've just always been this incredible human being. Wow. That was so powerful. She's amazing. She is amazing. Love her.
0: Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, as always, are going to bring you the Keep It 100 takeaways. And this week, Chris is going to give you give you three revolutionary keys of handling hard conversations like a boss.
1: First takeaway is listen to other people as they talk to you. You know, so many times when we're in a conflict situation and someone's talking, they're sharing their heart, you're in your head actually thinking about everything you want to say to the person and you're fully missing what the person is saying in the present moment. So I always encourage people don't zone out, don't get in your own head, actually get out, get present. And if you have to take notes as they're writing because there's things you don't want to forget to address, hey, take notes. Be an active listener, but make sure you're actually listening to the person in front of you. The second takeaway for being a boss and handling hard conversation is don't back people into a corner with your words. Mm. If you get people on the defense, you're not going to find a resolution. If you come in with the blame game accusation in your verbiage, and you begin to say things like you always do this, you never do that. I want to encourage you in conflict resolution, remove the words, always remove the word never. And the reason for that is no person is always something and never something. You have to give space for people to have air, but they're not always that way. So when you have aggressive, absolute verbiage within your conversation, it creates a defense mechanism in the other person because they feel like, Hey, hold on, I'm not being seen. That's not an accurate, accurate portrayal of who I am. So I always encourage people don't back people into a corner with your words. A great way to approach it rather than being aggressive is saying, Hey, when you did this, it made me feel like this. You're Owning your part, but you're not doing a character assassination. And remember at all times, the person you're talking to is not your enemy. The enemy wants to come in and bring in division. But I want you to know, as a child of God, you can find reconciliation, even in the hardest of conversations. The last keep it 100 takeaway and how to handle a hard conversation like a boss is go in knowing, Hey, you may not get what you want, but I simply say this. Don't let that scare you off from addressing conflict in your life. I want you to know when you are honest and you choose to value how you feel and you walk into a situation being authentic, taking off those masks, you'll actually thank yourself for being true and authentic to who you are. You'll feel like, Hey, I just advocated for myself. I was just honest. And regardless of what it was received, because remember, we cannot control how people respond to us, how people receive what we say, but we can control how we love, how we communicate, how we come into a situation. So regardless of what you get out of it. I want you to know you can be proud of yourself for going into it.
0: I think all of this in this episode is just so profound because I'm seeing so many people in the midst of massive conflict. I'm seeing people where there's become breaches in their relationships, people that are cut off from loved ones, even family, even people they share the roof with. And we're still waiting on some folks to come out of 2020, if you know what I'm talking about. They're still in the whole quarantine mindset. And it is so important to understand that we are called to be ministers and agents of healing and reconciliation. And Proverbs 12:18, I want to leave you with this, says some people make cutting remarks or one translation says that their their tongue is like a sword but it goes on to say but the words of the wise bring healing so we just really want to challenge you and give you some tools that you would bring words that would bring healing and as you release healing man jesus the healer the redeemer the reconciler is seen through you
2: thanks so much for tuning in to the keep it 100 podcast make sure to rate review and refer us to your friends And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandchristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Christa Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love.
0: Hey, Keep 100 Tribe, you not wanna miss our next episode as we're gonna talk about connecting with God in times of disconnection. And you're gonna wanna hear this because we're gonna talk about How to get alone with God, where you know you share his heart, you encounter him, you are hearing his voice and walking out in his peace. So, until next time, remember relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Up with us on Facebook and Instagram and Sean and where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.